I want to speak to you today on what I entitle territorial dominance. Um, territorial dominance. It is the will of God that we, we dominate. Praise God. I said it is the will of God that we dominate. I want you to go with me to the book of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Mark chapter number 5. Because I want to cast some things before you. Like I said, this, this message, it's casting a vision before the church. And there are three major areas that I, will, I would like to speak to you about today. So I'm going to try my best to be slow as possible so that everyone will understand what we need to do. Amen. Praise God. So you might not have me blazing and, and, and all of that. But if the anointing comes to do that, I will. But I just want to talk to you. Is it okay? Yes. Go with me to Mark chapter 5. And I want to read from verse number 1. It's a long read. We're going to read all the way to verse number 20. So I want you to please look in your Bibles as we read. And that also will help for those who did not read their Bibles this morning. Um, that will help you. Uh, they arrived at the other side of the lake. I'm reading from the Passion Translation because there is something that I really want to uh, emphasize on that the Passion Translation presents. Uh, but let's read verse number one. They arrived at the other side of the lake at the region of the Gerasenes. I want to say region. region. That's important. As Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. The man had been living there among the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. For every time they attempted to chain his hands and feet with shackles, he would snap the chains and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. Everyone said no one could subdue him. Okay. So we're talking about territorial dominance. No one could subdue him. Verse number five. Day and night he could be found lurking in the cemetery or in the vicinity, shrieking and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him. Shouting at the top of his lungs, leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God. Swear in God's name that you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said to him, come out of the man, you demon spirit. Jesus said to him, what is your name? Mob, he answered. They call me mob because there are thousands of us in his body. I want to say thousands. There are thousands of us in his body. He begged Jesus repeatedly not to expel them out of the region. I want you to notice that these demons, in actual fact, it was the leader of the host of the mob that was speaking. He was the one speaking on behalf of the rest of the demons. He said, do not send us out of this region. I want to say this region. 
We're talking about territorial what? Dominant. So he's asking that Jesus does not send them out of the territory. Can you see that? Can you see that? So that was the demon's plea. Don't send us out of this region. That's important. Verse 11, nearby there was a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission and the demon herd immediately came out of the man and went into the pigs. This caused the herd to rush madly down the steep slope and fall into the lake, drowning about 2,000 pigs. At this, the herdsmen ran to the nearby villages, telling everyone along, uh, along the way what had happened. And the people came out to see for themselves. When they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there properly clothed and in his right mind. Uh, seeing what had happened to the man possessed by many demons, the people became afraid. Those who had witnessed this miracle reported the news to the people and included what had happened to the pigs. Then they asked Jesus to leave their region. That was a region. Okay. They asked him to leave their region. Basically, they're saying, we don't want you here. That's the biggest mistake they made. And as Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, basically, they were kicking him out of their region, correct? We don't want you here. So Jesus, well, he was a perfect gentleman. He was not going to argue. He got into the boat to leave. And of course, you know, that is the same thing he instructed his followers to do. He said, if you come into a place and they don't receive you, shake the dust off of your feet and walk away. Don't fight. Don't cause trouble. Amen. So, and as Jesus began to get into the boat, verse 18, and to depart, the man who had been set free from demons asked him, could I go with you? Jesus answered, no. But said to him, go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the region of Jordan and parts of Syria to tell everyone he met about what Jesus had done for him. And all the people marveled. So what was the man doing? The man was testifying. The man was doing what? That's why it's important to, put, to, 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 to let people testify of what the Lord has done in their lives. Amen. Praise God. So my message today is a visionary message. There are things I want to cast before you and ask you for your commitment. Amen. Amen. According to our text, Jesus came into a region. Jesus came into a domain. Jesus came into a territory that was already... In the grip of demonic powers. Is that true? One of the major characteristics of demons is that they are territorial. I want to say territorial. Demons are territorial. Once they gain access to a place, they don't like to leave. Now, even if you force them out, you have to make sure you do not... Do what brings them back. Let me say that again. 
Even if you force them out, you have to make sure that you, you do not do what will bring them back. Because if you do what will bring them back, what will they do when they return? They will build a siege. I won't say a siege. They will build a siege. So you want to make sure that when you kick demons out of a place, that you keep that place demon free. I want to say demon free. You remember, Jesus actually talked about when an unclean spirit leaves a man, he walks through dry places. And the demon says to himself, I will return back to my house. Listen carefully. The demon says, I will return back to where? My house. Now, the demon believes the house is still his. Though the demon has been kicked out, yet the demon has not given up. The demon still believes the house belongs to him. So the demon will say to himself, after walking through dry places, I will return back to my house. Notice the demon does not say I'll return back to that man. He says I'll return back to my house. Because demons are territorial. When they take possession of a place they don't want to leave did you hear me so he says i'll return back to my house now in our text it is obvious why these demonic powers gained access and dominance over that region if you read carefully you will understand that they were rearing pigs What were they rearing? Now, it was not the practice of the Jewish people to rear pigs. Because according to the law, pigs were unclean. So the Jewish people did not rear pigs. Did you get that? In actual fact, pigs were used by pagans in the worship of their gods. The practice of the people of this vicinity, of this territory, have opened the door to these spirits. So you can see that there is a reason why these demons have taken dominion over this region. We cannot overstate the fact that there are things that open the door to demonic dominance. That cannot be overstated. That cannot be overemphasized. There are things, I won't say there are things, that open the door to demonic dominance in people's lives. Fact. So if people keep doing the things that opens the door to demonic dominance, demons will take over. But what do we see? Jesus showed up right in the middle of this mess. Why? Because he still loved the people. Come on now, say amen. amen. I said Jesus showed up right in the middle of the mess because he still loved the people. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But notice the people that he came to help. 
told him that we don't want you in this region. And because they asked him to leave the region, Jesus could no more help them. But praise God, he left the man behind. You didn't hear me? I said, praise God, he left the man, the man behind. You know, I believe that is one of the reasons why Jesus did not take the man with him. The region had said to him, we don't want you here. You are a troublemaker. Yes, Jesus was a troublemaker. He was a troublemaker to the kingdom of darkness. That amen is very weak. Amen. Jesus was a trouble. Jesus caused trouble for Satan. Jesus caused trouble for devils. Whenever he showed up in a place, demons begin to manifest. Because Jesus was a troublemaker. And I know that there are some troublemakers here this morning. Yes. I, I don't know who I'm talking to. I say, I know that there are some, there are some troublemakers here this morning. Yes. You make trouble for Satan. You make trouble for his works. You make trouble for the host of darkness. Yes. If you're a troublemaker, shout amen. amen. Praise God. So I believe one of the reasons why Jesus did not take the man with him was because he wanted the man to stay back at a place where he had been kicked out. In actual fact, when you read it in the King James Version or the New King James Version, the Bible says the man went through Decapolis. Decapolis basically means ten cities. I want to say ten cities. So the man went all over ten cities telling what Jesus had done for him. The man became an instant evangelist. Praise the Lord. Because an evangelist is one who carries good news. So the man went all over the place telling the good news to the people in 10 cities. And of course, the good news that he carried to these regions began to bring freedom and deliverance and liberty. Can someone say amen? amen. And you see, that's what we do. Tell your neighbor, that's what we do. That's what we do. Jesus has sent you and I to be the light in the middle of darkness. We, we don't run from darkness. We go into darkness. That amen. Oh my goodness. We don't run, we don't run from darkness. We go into darkness. You know what I mean by we go into darkness? We go into darkness because we are light. And the moment we show up in the place, the darkness will run from us. Come on, say amen. amen. The moment we get into the place, the darkness in the place will flee. Because light and darkness cannot cohabit. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I want to say to somebody this morning, this light you have is not little light. Yeah. I'm sorry, the religious song, this little light of mine, that is not scriptural. The light we have is not little light. The light we have is the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to us, you are now the light of the world. Go all over the place and let this light shine. 
And this light is not little because if this light was little, darkness will overpower it. This light is big. Come on now, say amen. Amen. Come on now, say amen. Amen. John chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Come on now, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Tell somebody, I am light. And I dispel darkness. Wherever I go, I light up the place. And darkness flees. If you believe it, shout amen. That's a fact. That's the, that's the life of the believer. So as Jesus went into this, this territory that was in the grip of satanic powers... Jesus came as the light. When you and I go into a place that is in the grip of demonic powers, we go in as the light. Come on now, say amen. Amen. And that is the reason why we are here today. We are not part of the problem. We are the solution. Oh, that amen is weak. I said we we, we did not cause the problem. We are the solution. We, we are not part of the problem. We are not part of the darkness. We are the light. Yeah. This church is a light in this city. Yeah. This church is a light in this nation. Yeah. This church is a light globally. Yeah. And I want to say to each of you, I want you to realize and understand that you are light, not darkness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Let me preach to this congregation here. You are light. You are light. You're not darkness. Yeah. So wherever you go, you carry the light of God that is on the inside of you and you shine. And, and men will see your good works and they will see the light of God as it shines through you. And the powers of the devil will be broken. The yoke will be destroyed. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. The, the burdens will be lifted. Hallelujah. Because you are the light and when you come into a place, you light up the place. You light up the place. You are not the darkness. You are the light at home. You are the light at school. You you are the light at your office. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. A territory, let let me define what a territory is. A territory is an area of land under the jurisdiction of a ruler. What are we talking about today? Territorial dominance. So a territory is an area of land under the jurisdiction of a ruler. It is his domain where he exercises dominance. Now you've heard me say many times that I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big uh, wildlife lover. I watch wildlife a lot. Animals fight over territories. You will be shocked at how street dogs are very territorial. Street dogs. You see the dogs you see on the street? Very ter- they know their territory. When other dogs stray into their territories, they fight them off and they kick them out. Lions are very territorial. The animals you see in the wild, they are territorial. Are you listening to me? Animals are territorial. Street dogs are highly territorial. 
Gangs fight over territories. Is that true? Even gangs. They fight over territories. This gang has got this territory. And that other gang has got this territory. So you cannot come into someone else's territory. If you do, you may not leave. That's a fact. If you do, you may not leave. They make sure they protect their territory because it is the area where they exercise what? Dominance. They exercise rulership. It is their jurisdiction. Can I tell you this morning that we have a territory to contend for? I say we here, the river, church, if you consider yourself a part of this ministry, we have a territory to contend for. And how do we do this? How do we take territories dominated already by demonic powers? That's what... I want to cast in front of you today. And I want to ask you to commit because it's going to take collective responsibility. I want to say collective responsibility. It's going to take, it's not a one man's job. It's not a one man's job. It's not a one person's job. It's going to take collective, collective responsibility. Everyone getting on board. Everyone understanding that this is collective responsibility. And all hands on deck to take the territory that God has assigned for us to take. Amen. Are you listening to me? So my message, like I said, is vision casting. And we're going to take territories in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do we take territories that are dominated already by demonic powers? Write this down. Number one, prayer power. You didn't hear what I said. I said prayer power. That's number one. That's the number one strategy that I want to present to you today. That prayer power is the number one way that we are going to take territories that are already dominated by demonic powers. We need to raise our collective prayer power. Collective. What's a collective? We all need to come together. We need to raise our collective prayer power. It is one thing for one man to pray. But it's a whole different ballgame for a group of people to come together and pray. I believe in corporate anointing. The Bible says one will chase a thousand. Two will put ten thousand to flight. Can you understand the multiplication that happens when we come together? One chases a thousand, two will chase how many? Ten thousand. That's not additional, that is multiplication. Because if one chases a thousand, if it's additional, then two should chase how many? Two thousand. But no, it says two will chase ten thousand. That multiplies. Why? Because when we come together, our power is multiplied. The effect is multiplied. The, 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 the productivity is multiplied. So we've got to raise our collective prayer power in this place. I want to say collective prayer power. 
Some people's prayer power, if they release it, it's not enough to blow their own nose. But we're going to take our prayer power to a whole new level. Amen. That amen is weak. I said we're going, to take, we're going to take our prayer power to a whole new level. Amen. And there's something that's on my heart that I believe we need to do. Can we put up that graphic again, please? The graphics? Let's put up, put up that graphics. Because like I said, I'm casting a vision. I believe it is time for us to raise what I call special forces. Men and women that will come together to pray. Now we, we have our prayer meeting on Thursdays, 7.30, but, but how, for how long do we go? Maximum sometimes two hours. But I really believe that it is time for us to raise these special forces that will come together to supplicate and to intercede. And as I begin to speak about this, if the Holy Spirit begins to stir your heart along these lines, I want you to sign up that you want to be a part of this prayer team. Because how are we going to take a place? We're going to take a place and we're going to dominate that place and kick the devil out through prayer. In the book of Acts chapter 4 verse number 23, the Bible says they went back to their own companions. And when they prayed collectively, the place shook. That is the kind of results that we're going to start having. They went back to their own companions. Can you see that when they were threatened in Acts chapter 4, they did not chicken out. They did not complain. They went back to their own kind. I won't say their own kind. Men and women that could pray. Men and women of faith, they went back to their own company or companions. And the Bible tells us they lifted their voice. Notice if you read that in the book of Acts chapter 4, it does not say they lifted their voices. It says they lifted their voice. Why? Because they were one. I want to say they were one. And God saw them, though they were many, but God saw them as one. So the Bible says they lifted their voice in prayer. And when they prayed, the place shook. The place, listen, listen guys, the place literally shook. And the Bible says they were filled with boldness. This is the kind of results that we are going to start having as we come up with this special forces, special prayer group that will begin to supplicate and to intercede. Come on now, say amen. The number one thing the devil attacks more than anything else is our prayer. Because the devil knows that when we gain the victory in the spirit through prayer, there is nothing he can do about it to stop it from coming to manifestation. There is nothing the devil will attack in your life like your prayer life. That is what the devil attacks the most. That is the reason why most Christians don't pray like they should. That is the reason why prayer meetings are the least attended in literally almost every church. This is a fact. This is a fact. 
You, you go do your study on the church, you will discover that prayer meetings are the least attended. You can talk about prayer all you want. People have made up their minds they're not going to pray. But in the name of Jesus, I break that off in Jesus' name. That, that's not going to be the case in this place. Because the devil knows that we are going to gain the victory first and foremost in the spirit. The hearts of men and women will be set free first in the spirit. Are you listening to me? You, you can walk all over the place and preach the gospel to people. They may not get it if you haven't gained the victory for them in the spirit. It is in the spirit that we gain the victory. We destroy the works of the devil in the spirit. And when we come in the natural, guess what happens? They are easily yielding to the word. That is what you see in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus would pray all night. And when he came down and began to minister to people, he did not pray. He only spoke. Are you seeing this? Jesus did not pray for one sick person. Go read your Bible. Jesus did not pray for one demon-possessed person. Jesus did all the praying in privacy. And when he showed up in the midst of the people and they were sick, be healed. Out. Be free. He did not pray for them. He only spoke the word. And when he spoke the word, the power was there to set the people free. Why? Because he already set them free in the place of prayer. People want to accomplish things, but they haven't prayed. And because they haven't prayed, they have all the obstacles standing in front of them. You deal with the obstacles in the place of prayer. You take dominance in the place of prayer. Come on now, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. This is why we must raise our prayer power. And I want to invite you to commit to this. At the end of the service, I'm going to encourage you to find Jenk. Get up on your feet, please. Come to Jenk and put down your name and I will give you more details later. Now, I'm not saying everyone will be involved in this. Because not everybody wants to pray. I wish everyone wants to pray. I pray everyone wants to pray. I pray that everyone is excited about what I'm sharing today. I pray that everyone will see the need why prayer is the most important spiritual exercise. Listen to what I'm telling you. There is no spiritual exercise greater than prayer. Prayer is the number one spiritual exercise. And that is why the devil wants to rob you of your prayer. Because he knows that prayer is the number one spiritual exercise. A man or a woman that can pray will get things done. When you have gained a victory in the spirit, you will not be struggling in the natural. People struggle in the natural because the victory has not been won in the spirit. Are you listening to me? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Now, a lot of times when people read that in Ephesians 6 from verse number 12, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wires of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Da, 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 da. They read all the way and then they talk about the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But they miss out that in verse number 18, Paul says, praying always. Uh, see, they miss prayer. They say the armor of the believer is the breastplate, is the shield of faith, is the sword of the spirit, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your helmet of salvation. But they don't tell you that prayer is part of what God has given to you to gain victory. Thank you so much. So meet with Jenk. In verse 18, he says, and praying always. I want to say praying always. Not praying sometimes. Praying always. <laughs> You see, you cannot pray too much. You didn't get that. You can't pray too much. You can't say, oh, I've, I've prayed too much. My, my, I've just prayed too much. No, there is nothing like I've prayed too much. Come on, say amen. amen. You can't pray. It says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Come on now, say amen. So we need to raise our prayer power, collective prayer power. This is the first thing that I want to cast before you. And this is what we're going to be doing very, very soon. You will not see, listen, when you, when you started the revivals in the last 2,000 years of the New Testament church, you will not find one revival without adequate prayer power. Did you hear me? You won't find one revival without adequate prayer power. Now, even if the revival starts, it will not last. Unless there is prayer power to sustain it. In Acts chapter 6 verse 8. The Bible says, and Stephen, full of faith and power. It was a faith and power. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. The devil is not after the power. Instead, he is after the thing that generates the power. You didn't, hear, you didn't hear that. The devil is not after the power. He cannot stop the power. But he can stop what generates it. So his focus is not the power. His focus is the prayer. <laughs> the Bible says in the book of James chapter 5. It says the effectual heartfelt prayer of the righteous man availeth much. In the, in the Amplified Classic it says it makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in his working. Yeah. James 5. It makes tremendous power. Which means there is what the Bible refers to as tremendous power. If there is tremendous power, that means that it comes in sizes. The effectual, heartfelt prayer of the righteous man availeth much. It makes tremendous power. So which means if we can operate in tremendous power, it means we can operate in power less than tremendous. Do you understand that? It's just simple English, right? Tremendous power, available, dynamic. Everyone say dynamic. So there is prayer that produces tremendous power that produces dynamic results. Oh my goodness. I said there are prayers that produces tremendous power that will produce dynamic results. 
And if we want to see dynamic results, then we've got to start praying the prayer that produces tremendous power. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on now, somebody shout amen. amen. So the devil is not after the power. The devil is after the what? After the what? After the thing that generates the power. And what generates the power? Prayer power. There is prayer power that generates power. Come on, say amen. amen. There is prayer power that generates power. <laughs> Praise God. Because when you start praying, it's like when you turn on the generator. Many of us are from Africa. You understand how generator works, right? So you, <laughs> you turn the generator on. And what happens? The generator powers the house. Your prayer is the generator that powers your life. Come on, say amen. amen. So the devil is not after the power. Instead, he's after the thing that generates the power that, that produces the result. And that is prayer. So to see a nation set free requires much prayer. Oh, you didn't get me. To see a nation set free requires much prayer. Amen. Come on, say amen. amen. So in, in view of this, I want to raise a special prayer team known as special forces. I'm not going to ask you who wants to be involved, but you need to meet with Jank if you want to be involved. And then I will talk to you more in details about this special forces that we are raising up. In the military, they have what they know as special forces. These are the men they send to take care of their very special assignments. Not everyone is sent in. Because not everyone have the training and the ability. But these special forces are sent in to take care of some very special cases. Come on now, say amen. amen. So that's why I want to raise these special forces that will be sent in to deal with special cases. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, is somebody getting excited already? These special forces will be sent in to deal with special cases. Any time of the day, I'll just call you. Any time of the day, I'll connect with you guys and we pray. Any time of the day. Yes, of course, it says 2... What did you remove my graphics? <laughs> yes, it says 2 p.m. What day? On Tuesday? Tuesday, it says 2 p.m. Uh, but this is, this is not just going to be limited to 2 p.m. on Tuesdays. Come on, come on, say amen. amen. If I have to call you up at midnight and we're going to pray for four or five hours, then get ready. <laughs> yeah, no, really, that shouldn't scare you. Pastor, pray for five hours. You will be shocked at what you can do when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You'll be shocked at what you can do when you are empowered by the Spirit of God. Come on now, say amen. amen. People say prayer is the most difficult thing. Absolutely not. Prayer is not the most difficult thing. It is the most difficult thing when you do it in the flesh. But when you pray by the help of the Holy Ghost, you'll be shocked. You look at your watch. You've been praying for two hours in tongues, nonstop. Come on, say amen. amen. So this is going to happen. Everyone say prayer power. Prayer. The second thing I want to cast before you is power evangelism. In Acts chapter 8, verse Number five, really reading from verse number five, the Bible tells us that Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. What was Philip's message? Or let's say, who was Philip's message? Christ. 
Philip went down to Samaria and Philip preached Christ. Notice, Philip did not preach church. Philip did not preach denomination. He preached Christ. Now, when Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ, the Bible tells us that there was a man named Simon who was a sorcerer. In other words, the man was a, was a wizard. Uh, this guy, Simon the sorcerer, was the medium used to gain dominance over that territory. Did you hear what I just said? Simon the sorcerer was the medium. What was it the medium? He was the doorway. He was the medium that demonic powers used to gain dominance over Samaria. So witchcraft power had the region subdued. The Bible tells us that the people of Samaria from small to great held this wizard in high esteem. Because he had dazzled them with his magic. Everyone thought the guy was special. He had dazzled them with his witchcraft. It took the preaching of the gospel to break the territory free from this evil grip. It took the what? It took the preaching of the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? Power of God unto salvation. So we are going to pray, but we're going to preach. Some people think they just go into a place and pray, and when they are done praying, people will get saved. It doesn't happen that way. The Bible, in no place, does the Bible teach us to pray for the salvation of people. You can go do your own study. Oh, I'm praying for the salvation of these people. I'm praying for the salvation of my family members. No, the Bible says to pray that God will send them somebody to preach to them. Oh, you didn't get that. I know you, some of you got religious on me because I said that. But, but you haven't studied your Bible. Show me one place where the Bible says pray for the salvation of people. No, it says, Jesus said, send, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send in what? laborers into the field. So you don't pray for people to be saved. You pray for laborers to go to them with the gospel. Watch this. But Pastor God, you said we should pray for people. We pray to take dominion over the spirits that has put the blind over them. We pray that their hearts are receptive. But there's somebody that must preach. Because how can they hear without a preacher? Without the preaching of the gospel, people are not saved. Come on now, say amen. So, listen, I'm teaching you doctrine here. Don't, don't think re religiously right now. And oh, You don't pray for sinners to be saved. You pray for God to send harvesters. Come on now, say amen. You pray for God to send harvesters. You can pray for sinners till the cows come home. They will not be saved. You've got to open your mouth and preach the gospel to them. Amen. 
Some of you have members in your family that are not born again. You're praying that they are born again. Listen, you've got to change the way you pray. Pray that God will send someone to talk to them. Maybe you are the one that needs to open your mouth and tell them that has anyone ever told you that God loves you and he has a good plan for you. Come on now, say amen. amen. It is in the hearing of the gospel that faith comes. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by. In actual fact, that is faith for salvation right there in context. When he says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that context is referring to faith for salvation. Yes, I know we use that a lot of times and say faith cometh, faith cometh, faith cometh. In actual fact, faith cometh for salvation. For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is not your works, it is the gift of God. So it's not like you, you had faith and then someone showed up and preached to you and your faith was activated. You had no faith. I say you had no faith. It was the gospel you heard that birthed faith. No, listen. So you can pray and pray and pray. Faith don't come by prayer. Does not say faith come by when you pray for people. Now, if your prayer for them does not produce faith, then how can they be saved? Because faith does not come by prayer. Lord, I'm praying that you give Charles faith to be born again. It doesn't happen that way. The only way Charles is going to get faith to be saved is when I come to Charles and I preach to him the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to them that what? Believe. How will they believe? Because the gospel brings faith. The gospel brings faith. Maybe some of you have been looking in your Bible to see where they said pray for unbelievers to be saved. Keep looking. If you find it, come to me after the service and show me. Find it and come and show me. The harvest is plenty. The laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he might send. He has told you what to pray about. Pray that the Father will send laborers into. Because if you don't have laborers working in the harvest field, I mean, think, just think about this. You have a farm. You've planted your seeds. Harvest time comes. You stay at home praying. Harvest come. Harvest come home. Harvest come home. Harvest, I command you, come in. Come into my barns. Harvest, I'm calling you in right now. Where are you? Why are you not coming? Harvest, I command you in the name of Jesus to come. Will the harvest come? Absolutely not. You've got to go in there. You've got to harvest. You've got to do what? Harvest. There is seed time and there is harvest time. You've got to go into the field. You've got to harvest. You've got to put in the sickle. And you've got to bring in the grapes. Can't be praying at home. Grapes come. Grapes come. Grapes come. Grapes, where are you? Where? No, grapes are not going to come. The grapes will be rotten in the field. That's why Jesus said the harvest is ready. But the laborers are few. Pray that more harvesters will come. 
Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 10. He called the 70 and he sent them. Luke chapter 10. He called the 12 and he sent them. Why did he send them? To preach the gospel. Why was he not there telling, hey guys, let's pray. For the harvest to come in. No, you've got to go. You've got to tell them. How can they hear without a preacher? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good tidings. So you've got to bring good tidings before men can hear the gospel. And when the gospel comes, faith comes. And then they can be born again. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. So he took the preaching of the gospel in Acts chapter 8. When Philip went to Samaria, he had to open his mouth and preach the gospel. He did not go there to conduct prayer service. He had to preach the gospel. And when he preached the gospel, hearts of men were convicted. But don't forget. The early church was a prayerful church. They already had the victory in prayer. When they prayed privately, collectively, they already had the victory. So when this guy amongst the, 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 the church went in and began to preach, the gospel was released. Salvation took place. Can someone shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. So I want to introduce what we call spring harvest. Put that graphics up for me. Spring harvest. I want to say spring, spring. Harvest. harvest. Spring harvest. Yeah, no, not special prayer. <laughs> spring harvest. Yes, spring harvest. This is what we're going to do from the 16th to the 28th of this month. I talked about prayer. I want to raise a prayer team, special forces. But I also want to raise spring harvesters. Come on now, say amen. amen. While we're praying, we'll be out on the streets also. Bringing in the harvest. From the 16th to the 28th. And this is what we're going to do. This is going to be an incentive. Maybe this might get somebody excited. Some of you are looking at me like, oh my goodness. Are we going out to preach the gospel? Yes, we are. Let me say this. We have a plan, as you can see. Monday noon. And 7 p.m. So we have two schedules on Monday. Tuesday, two schedules. 12 noon and 7 p.m. We're going to meet here and we're going to prepare and leave from here. Wednesday, we have just one, 5 p.m. Thursday, one, 5 p.m. Why? Because we have midweek service on Wednesday and then prayer meeting on Thursday. The regular church prayer meeting on Thursday. And then Saturday, we have just one, uh, 7 p.m. PM. Now, why am I reading the schedule? Because I don't want you to go out there on your own and come back and say, I reached 300 people. <laughs> we, we, we are no, it has to be done within the structure. I want to say structure. What are we preaching this morning? What's the message? What's the title of this message? Territorial. I'm teaching you what we must do to dominate this territory. It's territorial dominance. Come on, say amen. amen. So this is, the, this is the plan. Now, when Philip went to Samaria, this guy, Simon, was the, the, the wizard, the sorcerer, the wizard that had kept that whole region under the grip of the devil. 
And the power of the sorcerer was broken. And as we go out to reach people, the power of the devil will be broken in families. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. The power of the devil will be broken in homes and families and, and people are going to be delivered. Amen. So, I want to invite you to engage in this spring harvest. Jenk, stand up again. Come see Jenk after the service. It's going to have two lists in his hands. One is for those that want to pray. And the other is for those that want to preach. Spring harvest. And you want to win 500 teller, gift card, grocery card. You, you can. Mm -hmm. You can. Yeah. You, you can too. Maybe I'll not put you in the list. Oh. They, they can. Okay. You lead it. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead. Take your seat. The last thing I want to talk about in closing is financial power. I want to say financial power. The gospel has two feet. I want to say two feet. The anointing is one feet and, and money is the other. The, I want to say the anointing and money. Now, I praise God for tens and fifties and hundreds of dollars. That people give in tithes and offerings here. But, but honestly, we need people to rise up to where they can begin to give millions and billions. Amen. Yeah, you see, I know you, you always shout when it comes to money. Because you see, you, I, you were not really shouting when I was talking about outreach. And uh, now I'm talking about millions and billions. And you can hear people shouting, Amen. No, but it's going to happen. Uh, I want to set, set a vision here. The vision that I want to set here is to raise 50 multimillionaires. Wow. Amen. Yeah, you can. Yeah, maybe, you know, if you believe it, it's possible. Amen. Men and women that will be sold out 100% as kingdom financiers. Amen. 50. Amen. Pastor, why don't we do 200? Let's start with 50. Amen. Let's start with 50. That's, that's one of the things that I want to cast here this morning. Financial power. So like I said, praise God for the 50s, the 100s, the 200s. The, uh, you know, we see in the offerings and the tithe. But I believe it is time for millionaires and billionaires to be raised up in this place. Amen. Taking back territories requires money. It does. Some of you here will become kingdom financiers in this place. Amen. Your finance is going to a new level. Amen. And as I'm speaking... Uh, your heart is just beating very fast. Then you're one of the 50 that I'm talking about. Amen. See, what we know today as the mercy ministry, which was set up, I guess, was 2010 or 2011. We had visited Lagos, Nigeria, and we were there for three weeks, me and my family. For three weeks. And I went to visit a, a man in his house. In actual fact, I was meeting with his wife because there was 
this business we we all wanted to do actually i wanted to see the man and talk to him about this business and proposing and all of that anyways so we we got talking and then he said to me i, I really can't remember what led to this conversation where he began to talk about how he had at the time he had given he had given in actual fact they said he said to me we we told our pastor that because you have the word, the world will hear you. So he said, we came together to support what God has placed upon his life. He said, we told him, because you have the word, the world will hear you. So basically, they were just saying to him, don't worry about the money. And I, if I mention the name of the ministry, everyone here would know. So this guy said to me, I belong to this group in our church. All we do is give money. He said, uh, this was in the month of September 2010. He said, I have already given, I think he's giving over $100,000. And I'm talking about in a place where people think people are in poverty, Nigeria. But there are wealthy people there. There are very wealthy people there. He said, the leader of our group have given about $800,000 already. The leader already gave about $800,000. He has already given about $100,000, $100,000 just to get the word out. But one of the things that excited me about this young man, young man, I'm, I'm young man. At the time he was speaking to me, probably wasn't his, you know, mid-30s. So I've given him 100000 already. The excitement on his face, the excitement in his voice, I could tell he was not forced. He loved to do it. Some people are gifted and called to just give money. It's a passion. It's just they live for this. Just like Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. These people are like, woe is me if I don't give. They can't live without giving. So I came back after having that conversation and I said to our people here, we, we're going to start something that will give people that really love to give the opportunity to give. And I called a few people together and I said, look, this is about giving money. If you don't like to give money, please stay. Don't come to this group. Just stay in the church and be a giver within. The, you, you know, you tithe, you give your offerings, you know, but th this group is about giving. And we started. And some people that were excited, wanted to be a part of it. They came and became a part of this. Now, as much as I want to give everyone the opportunity to give from their paycheck. This, this group is not for people that earn salaries. Except if you are a CEO and you have bonus in the tune of a million, two million, five million, twenty million. There are CEOs like that, you know that, right? Some of the Fortune 500 companies, 
the CEOs make millions every year. But really, it's not for $10, $15, $100. I want to raise the standard. It's getting very quiet already. Amen. And the Lord will help us to do whatever it takes to raise this group up. up. Amen. You know what? I didn't tell my wife, but it was yesterday as I was preparing, getting this message ready. It was late at night, if I'm not mistaken. When um, I just felt we need to change this name from Mercy Ministry to Kingdom Financiers. So anyone who is coming in will understand it's not just mercy, it's money. <laughs> no, really. You say mercy, people think it's going to people's homes to clean trash and help people that are in the hospital, go visit them, clean them up. And all. No, praise God for that. But this is kingdom financing. And I'm not saying you finance God. You don't finance God, but there is a desire in you to give. And we want to help Blow on that flame. That the desire you to give will be utilized to the glory of God. Can someone shout amen? amen. And now if that is you, I'm going to have a meeting again. We're going to set up a meeting and we're going to review even the people in the group. We're going to review the people. We have a group already called Mercy Ministry. We're going to review that. And I'm probably going to start sharing these things all over again to help them understand that you are not in this group to just visit mothers who give birth. No, really. We've been doing it and I, I, applaud, I applaud you for a number of years. You've done that. Mothers give birth. You go to them with some diapers and praise God for that. Praise God. You've done well. Clap for them. Easter comes around or Christmas you get some money together and cook some food and give it to the to the church praise God clap for them for that <laughs> but we're taking this to a whole new level I want a whole new level the man said I, I gave a hundred thousand already and he said I'm going to give more the year was not even done People that are going to be in this group are going to be kingdom financiers. I want to say kingdom, kingdom. financiers. Kingdom. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's vision casting today. So these are three areas. Those that want to pray, please give your names to Jane. Those that want to go out for this thing, this um, what's that again? Spring harvest. Please give your name to Jane. And those that want to th thought list for kingdom financiers, give your name to Jane. Write your names and your phone numbers legibly because we are going to reach out to you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now for those that want to be part of kingdom financiers, you say, but I don't live in this country, or I don't live in the city, but I still want to be a part of it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. 
But I want to say again, it is for money. Now, I'm not putting pressure on you. I'm just saying it's for giving. Come on, say amen. amen. It's for giving. So if you love to be a part of this, then please come and let's, let's see how God will use your gift to bless the house of God.